Uh, today's scripture reading uh, is taken from the book of Psalms. Uh, I will be reading from Psalm 47, and the version will be the ESV version. Psalm 47. Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with songs of joy. For the Lord the Most High is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. He subdued peoples under us and nations under us, under our feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. God has gone out with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our God, sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the peoples gathered as the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. This is the word of God. Thanks, Veronica, for reading scripture for us. And indeed, one of the joys that I have as uh, one of the elders here is to train and disciple other men into ministry. Uh, indeed, one of our aspirations as a church is to test, train, uh, affirm, and to send uh, men and women into ministry for the work of the gospel. So it is my pleasure this morning to introduce uh, Joshua, who will be bringing the word to us. Joshua is our youth ministry worker. Before that, he was an intern with us last year for about half a year, and it is my pleasure to encourage him to come and bring God's word to us and to strengthen us in the faith as well. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Pastor Eugene. Oh, hi, church. Um, yeah, it's really, really nice to see everyone here. Thank you for joining us either in person or online. Um, yeah, I want to thank Eugene and the elders, as well as you, church, for giving me the opportunity to preach. It is a privilege to um, preach God's word to you today. So as I do that, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, you are the king over all the earth. Please help us to respond to you today. Please give me the strength to preach your word with clarity and with boldness. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will be working through your word, please give us a heart of worship and praise towards you. I just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we just had family dedications, and it's such a delight to see all these babies, um, to see the young families in our church grow. And children, they really are a blessing from God. As you may know, God has also blessed my wife and I, Tiffany, with a son as well. Little Theo, this is him. So Theo is our eighth-month-old child, and he's our first child. It's really been an eye-opening experience for Tiff and me. Um, yeah, we have found it quite difficult to parent, but Theo also gives us lots and lots of joy. Recently, one of the things that he's been learning is how to crawl. It all started when he tried to reach for his toys, and they were just out of his reach, so he got on all fours, and using both his arms and his legs, to our surprise, he started to crawl. 
all the way to get his toy. And when Tiff and I first saw this, we were just so overjoyed. We were so happy for him. We applauded, we exclaimed, we celebrated. Our son had just crawled for the first time. We were so happy for our son to just, for him to reach this new milestone. When was the last time that you were so happy that you exclaimed praises like this? Perhaps, like me, you're a proud parent who has been happy when your child has achieved something. Or for those students out there who just finished exams, when you finally finished, perhaps you were so excited when that last exam was done. Or perhaps those who are working who have project milestones and you finish those project milestones, you're also very relieved and also celebrated when those were done. How about those who really enjoy sports, sports fans? Um, perhaps you exclaimed in joy when your team finally won that high-stakes game or when they score a point. Sometimes these praises, they're not even out loud. They could just be praises in our head. We could just be exclaiming, yes, something, has, something amazing has happened. Something as simple as even celebrating someone's birthday is exclaiming praises for that person's birth and life. So no, mo no matter what stage of life we are in, we have celebrated and praised someone or something. That is how we are wired. And this is the tone of today's passage. However, we're not praising our children, sports teams, the completion of exams or projects, though these things are very praiseworthy. Psalm 47 points us to praise the one most worthy of our praise, the Lord who reigns as king over all the earth. This sermon series is called The King and His People, and Psalm 47 talks about our king, God, and what he does for his people and how we can respond to him as his people. Now, I know this may sound pretty simple to some of you. Many of you have heard time and time again, God is God and God is King. But I hope that as you listen to this sermon, you can really think through who God is for you. It is important for us to dwell and meditate on these truths regularly and to check our hearts to see if God continues to be King. My sermon today will be broken up into three points. You can just remember the three E's, exalted, elects, expressions. Exalted, elects, expressions. So the first section is exalted. Praise God, the exalted king who reigns over everything. Psalm 47 is a psalm about praising God because he is exalted king over everything. If you remember last week, Jeremy took us through Psalm 46. He helpfully showed us that God is our help in time of trouble. He is our refuge that delivers us from our enemies. If you remember the hymn that we sang at the end of the service, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. That was a good summary of that sermon. Psalm 46 ends with God's promise that he will be exalted and he will achieve victory. And so Psalm 47 has this natural progression from Psalm 46. This psalm further challenges the same audience of Psalm 46 to respond to God's deliverance and stand in awe of him as king. 
God has achieved that great victory. And God and Psalm 47 tells them to rejoice and praise the King of Israel who is King over all the earth. Rejoice. Psalm 47, verse, uh, verse 2, says this, For the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. The psalmist begins by exhorting all people to joyfully praise God, the king, with clapping and shouts of loud songs of joy. Why? Because in verse 2, the Lord, the Most High, is a great king over all the earth. Verse 2 mentions the name of the God of Israel, Lord, in all capitals. This refers to God's special covenantal name that he chose to reveal himself to his people. If you remember Matt from the prayer meeting, he mentioned that in Exodus 3.14, God reveals himself to his Israelites as I am who I am. God is uniquely special that he stands apart from the rest of creation. Yet, this is also a personal God who desires a close relationship with his people. The Lord stands apart from all creation as most high. This refers to God's superiority in power, authority, and over all creation. There is nothing, no God, idol, or created thing that is above our Lord. He is superior in every way, and there is nothing, not even your troubles, that are above God. He is most high. Lastly, the last statement in verse 2, a great king over all the earth. God's sovereign reign is not confined to any one territory. Rather, God's reign is universal over all the earth. You're not going to find a place where God is not going to be king. All creation bows to him. All these things are stating one thing about God, that he is the exalted king over all the earth. The same is seen in verses 7 to 9. Here's what it says. For God is king over all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. God reigns over all the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the people gather as the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. So kings and emperors, they have rule over their own territories. They are set over certain lands, areas, and peoples. But their rule is limited. If we think about some of the greatest conquerors in history, Alexander the Great, Genghis Khan, Attila the Hun, just to name a few, these rulers, they rule over vast areas of land, but it's still limited. Their dominion would only extend to a certain region before they were either defeated or they died. The Lord is not like this. The Lord is king over all the earth. God's empire extends to every nation, every place, every people. God achieves victory over all these conquerors and kings and emperors, and he is king over everything. How often 
do we really consider the greatness of God as king? Like, really consider it. How often do we forget to praise him? I think this season, at the end of the year, is a great time for us to consider and get excited about how we can praise and serve this king who reigns over us. If I'm honest with myself, I do not always praise God for being king. God as king is actually not the first thing that comes to my mind um, when I am going day-to-day life, and I don't really think about giving him praise. The reason for this is because my heart does not want to praise him. My heart does not want him to be king. I want to be king. I want to be the king of my own life. I want to make the decisions, call the shots. Do you ever feel like this? Are there times when you feel like you do not want God to be king over all the earth? Perhaps there's a lack of praise because we don't want him as king. We don't want him as king over every aspect of our lives. There are parts where we still want to say we want to do what we want to do. Perhaps we say, yes, God is king, but I want to decide what I want to do with my time. I want to play sports. I want to play computer games. I want to study and get good grades. I want to tend to my garden. I decide how I get to relate to my family and my friends. I'm the one who dictates what I spend my money on. This psalm says that God rules over all. He rules over your life and my life, every aspect of it, our time, our money, our relationships, everything, because God is king over all. And God being king overall is actually, it's a really good thing. It's the best thing. Because of how rulers have ruled throughout history, I think we have this bad impression of what authority is like. But unlike the human rulers that we have experienced or that were mentioned, God's rule is really good for us. He is a perfect king, and this psalm will continue to show us why. Why is God being king good? This leads us to our next section. We can praise God because he elects to love and does good for his people. Elects. God, praise God who elects to love his people. Psalm 47, verse 3 says this. He subdues people under us and nations under our feet. Verse 3 shows us that God's victory and rule means good things. For his people. God's victory means victory for his people. And throughout the Old Testament, we can see this. God's many victories over these people is consistent throughout history. God always redeems his people. If you remember the stories of God in the Old Testament, how he redeemed the people of Israel from Egypt by allowing them to cross the Red Sea on dry land. Or God made the walls of Jericho fall with just the sound of horns and shouts. Or even how he empowered King David to slay Goliath with a single stone. God always redeems his people from their enemies. That's his character. And best of all, he's actually redeemed us as well. He's redeemed us from our biggest enemy, which is sin and death. 
He did this through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he came to earth and he lived that perfect sinless life. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, for your sins and for mine, the sins that we deserved. But three days later, he rose again and ascended to heaven to show that he conquered death once and for all. And Jesus promises that when we repent and believe in him, Jesus takes our sin and gives us his righteousness. Jesus' victory over sin and death becomes our victory over sin and death when we put our faith in him. And Paul tells us that because he did this, God exalted Jesus to be the king over all the nations. And this is the king that the psalmist is referring to. Philippians 2 says, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is that king. And we often think of those who rule over us as tyrants who just desire to do what they want. And this is how people have ruled throughout history. But this is not what King Jesus is like. Besides having the power and authority to rule, Jesus is a loving king who willingly lays down his life for his people. He desires to help us. He has a heart for us and acts the exact opposite of any tyrant. Instead of lording it over us, he loves us. He loves his people and sacrificially serves them. Jesus is the perfect king. Powerful, yet loving. Therefore, it's a good thing that King Jesus rule over us. And not only that, we can praise him because he elected to love us. He loves us so much that he laid down his life for us. Having Jesus as king, it's amazing news. But for those who are not on his side, there is no victory over sin and death. There is an urgency then that we need to spread this good news to those who have not submitted to Jesus as king. And for those here who do not have Jesus as king, I urge you to consider this good news. The good news that Jesus humbly lays down his life for you. Please consider the invitation that this loving king extends to us. Psalm 47 verse 4 says, He chose our our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. Again, it's this theme that God loves. And the psalmist, he trusts in the wisdom and goodness of God. He recognizes that it's a good thing that God chooses our heritage because of his loving character. Because of our desire to want to be king of our own lives, Our natural inclination is to think that we can choose what's best for us. But this is not what this verse is saying. The psalmist was actually delighted. He was happy that God choose our heritage because of his love. And God, who is all-knowing, is always for his people. No matter what inheritance God has planned for us, he knows what's best for us and knows what is good for us. He'll always choose what's best for us. And why does God love? 
simply because he chooses to. He elects to. When you look at the man Jacob or the, the nation of Israel, there's nothing particularly lovable about them. Deuteronomy 7 says, It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all people. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. There is nothing particularly lovable about you or about me. Nothing lovable about any of us, but God chooses to love us. And Paul tells us a bit more about God's chosen heritage for us in the New Testament. In Ephesians, it says that God chose us to be holy and blameless before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ. And it's a beautiful thing to be holy and blameless. Have you ever considered who you are in Christ, what it is to be a child of God? Instead of living a horrible, sinful life, God has chosen for us to live this holy and pure life as God's children, the life that he designed it to be. He chose us and chooses for us, and it's all because of his great love for us. Here's what Romans 8.28 says. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So who would actually say no to having this loving king who wants the best for us? Let us joyfully praise Jesus, King, because he elects to love us and do good for us. Do we really believe in God's loving rule for us? Do we really trust in God's love? and live like it. How can we consider his love and respond? Well, here are some suggestions. We can respond both corporately as well as individually. Corporately, we can help each other to meditate on God's praise and love through fellowship within the church. We often forget God throughout the week. It's really easy to, actually. Many of, but as we meet as members, we remind each other of what brings us together, of God's love for us. And we can share struggles together. As we share our struggles, we can encourage one another with the truths about God and the assurance that we have, knowing that God has chosen us and works for our good. Now that we are moving into the new norm, I encourage us to continue to keep gathering on Saturdays and Sundays. It's really a good time when we gather together. Just earlier this week, actually, since we could open up to more than five visitors, Tiff and I, we had some visitors over as well. We had two church family members come over, um, and they were from different ages and walks of life. But it was amazing that we could still relate to one another. It was a lovely time spent reminding each other of God's love, but also demonstrating it through community. Tiff and I felt very loved not only by these church members, 
but also by God, who had blessed us with such a great church family. Individually, we can also be intentional about reminding ourselves of the gospel daily. As sinners, it's very easy to get caught up in the busyness of day-to-day life, and our hearts tend to drift away. And even though it is cliche, I think this is why the spiritual disciplines of Bible reading and prayer are so important. They remind us of the gospel. But perhaps like me, you find it difficult to read and to pray. What I actually find personally helpful is listening to worship songs. Worship songs that focus on the gospel. Songs have this unique way of adhering to God's truth in our hearts and stirring our emotions. So, I mean, you don't have to do what I do, but I do encourage you to reflect on God and the gospel this week. And if you are finding it hard to rejoice in God and to love Him, you can also pray about it. Ask God to give you a heart of worship and praise. Ask Him to change your heart. The Psalms are a great model for us as well. Pray through the Psalms. Possibly even pray through Psalm 47 this week. As we read these Psalms, we are reminded of who God is, what He has done for us, and this cultivates our love for Him. Now, I started the sermon by stating why we should be praising God. Now I'll go on to our final section of how we can praise God. Expressions. Praise God with outward expressions of inward joy. So what does joyful praises look like? Psalm 47 does not just tell us why, but also the how, how we should praise God and what that looks like. Verse 1 starts like this. Clap your hands, all people. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. When we clap and we shout, it's to express ourselves. And have you ever tried to clap and shout softly? It's not possible, is it? So the psalmist is telling us to shout and to clap with loud, outward expressions of this joy that we experience. Clapping and shouting songs of joy shows us that we can sing praises cheerfully to God with a happy heart. The psalmist continues to show us how to praise God in verse 5. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Notice how expressive the psalmist is urging us to respond. Like clapping and shouting, the trumpet is also very loud. It was to signify, the trumpet signifies victory. And what the psalmist is saying here is this victory is clear. It is loud, and we should be praising God with loud shouts of praise with trumpets. My older brother, Nathan, he recently got engaged to a lovely girl, Amy. This is them, if you can see them. And we try to call them every week or so. He is very happy. I've never seen him so happy, actually. Like, these smiles are the biggest smiles I've seen him have. Look how happy he is. He cannot help but smile because his happiness and excitement of being with his fiance, but also getting married to her. He cannot contain this inward emotion of happiness. In a similar way, it just doesn't make sense for us to contain inward feelings of joy towards God. 
the psalmist is saying that our inward feelings of joy should overflow to outward expressions of singing and praise. Do others see your love and joy for God? Do they comment on how you are constantly praising? Can others see your zeal and your passion for God the King? How can we have dull, mild feelings towards God when we really, really know and understand who he is and what he has done for us? And this is why the psalmist says five times in verse 6 and 7, Sing praises to God. He repeats it five times to emphasize its importance. Verses 6 and 7 says this, Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. For God is King over all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. God has given us the gift of song and singing, and so the highest use of it is to praise God with it. Therefore, we sing because it completes our joy. C.S. Lewis puts it like this in his uh, reflections on the Psalms. We delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. Is it, it is its appointed consummation. The whole quote is up there, but I can summarize the second half. Lewis goes on to say that you know, it's very frustrating when you experience a really good author or see an amazing scenery or hear a great joke, but you actually just can't express it. It's really frustrating when these things go unexpressed. And so that's why verse, seven tells us, verse 6 and 7 tells us to explain praises. It's how we, it, it completes our joy when we do this. And verse 7 says that we should sing praises with a psalm. This does not mean that we only sing psalms, but I think other translations of this verse give us more insight to what it means to sing praises with a psalm. A well-written song is what the New English translation translates it as, or psalm of wisdom, New American Standard Bible, or even the old school King James says, praises with understanding. The psalmist here is trying to show us that when we sing and praise God, it is to be with understanding and with wisdom. It is supposed to be purposeful and consistent with our understanding of who God is. It is not unorderly, unruly, or random, but meaningful. It really matters what words we use, and we should be purposeful and understand why we are praising God, and we should be intentional about it. So what happens if you're not very good at singing like me? You kind of make other people cringe a little bit when they hear you. I don't think this should matter, really, because your outward expression is simply expressing what's in your heart, what your heart is expressing. For those who aren't great at singing like me, let me encourage you that the Lord looks at our heart. So when we do get the opportunity to sing and praise God, we should do so loudly, with passion, and with joy. We should sing purposefully 
and with understanding, because these outward expressions of joy is expressing what we, uh, the joy we have inwardly towards God. Now, you may be thinking, well, how can we do this during pandemic times, though? The regulations state that during our church services, we're not supposed to sing. But there is no regulation to say that we can't sing in our own homes. We can't, there's nothing stopping us from singing during CG or even online over Zoom sessions. Tiff and I, we've gotten into the habit of noting down what songs we sing during the church services, and then we play them when we go home. We look up the lyrics, and we do our own praise and worship sessions at home. Our Sunday afternoons are usually full of the songs we sing, that they play in the background, and we sing along. Since we cannot sing at church, we can think of alternative ways, and there's plenty of room to be creative. Now, I also want to briefly speak to those who are having a difficult time right now, who are possibly struggling. How can we sing praises to God when we do not feel these inward feelings of joy? Let me encourage you to read some of the Psalms, some of the songs of lament. The, Psalm, the Bible and the Psalms are full of songs of sorrow and lament. You can see how the psalmist responds in these songs. He doesn't forget who God is, and I encourage you not to forget who God is in your sorrows. Your situations, your feelings, and life may change, but God and his character does not. God is good, and he knows what you are going through. God has chosen you, and therefore nothing changes your relationship with God in Christ Jesus. Our Lord he is a loving God who is exalted over all the earth. He elects to love us and does good for those he loves. Let us express our praises to him with joy. Let me invite the song leader up to lead us in our song of response. <laughs>